faith and life. For some people, they're parallel roads. They never come into contact with each other. One never influences the other. Yet for some other people, faith and life are more like intersecting roads. Often they're running opposite each other, but where they do intersect, wonderful God moments can be experienced. But yet for just a few, the two roads merge into one, and the results are truly a highway to heaven. What does the road of faith and life look like in your world? What is your favorite food to smell being cooked? Um, for me, I've, I've got to admit, it, it's, it's probably, you know, it definitely is chicken wings. I, I can smell it a mile away. Um, a week or two ago, I came into the office and I'm like, I smell chicken wings. And my secretary said, oh, Joe had some chicken nuggets with some buffalo sauce like an hour ago or something. I mean, I could smell it, right? Um, if you're into like smoking and, and, and smoking meats and so forth, like the, just that smell of the barbecue, um, that, that's an amazing smell. We've got Thanksgiving coming up, right? And, and I have to tell you, like, that is one of the things that I get like most excited about with Thanksgiving. I mean, I, 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 I love eating the food. Don't get me wrong. The food tastes awesome. But I love as that food's being cooked, just the smell of the turkey and the dressing and all the fixings that go along with it. it, it, it it's awesome. But, but you know, like is as I think through it, I mean, part of what makes food like so enjoyable is that not only is the eating it, it's being able to smell it and being able to taste it. It, it just makes it all the more enjoyable that, in fact, like if you couldn't smell and taste, which incidentally, I guess it kind of has become that way with the coronavirus for some, right? Um, I've never experienced it, but if you couldn't smell food as it's being cooked, and if you couldn't taste it as you're eating it, uh, would that even be enjoyable? And I think the answer is no, not really at all. Well, we're continuing our message series, Dealing with Feelings, and what I want to talk about this morning is the feeling of numbness, or let me say even the lack of feeling. So I want you to think about it in terms of this. If... Um, if, 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 if like food isn't enjoy, nearly as enjoyable if you can't smell it or you can't taste it, then if you can't experience life through feelings, if, if, you, if you're feeling numb, if you're feeling like empty, if, you, if you're feeling like a void of feelings, that, that, that can just make life at times all the less enjoyable. And, and I know what I'm you know, talking about today is going to be a subject that like, I think it hits home with a lot of people, but at the same time, for most of us right now, at this point in our lives, we may not be dealing with, with the feelings of numbness or depression. But I know this, that every one of us in here, at some point in our past, we've gone through it where you just, you, you have no feelings, you have no emotions, and, and you're just feeling empty. Uh, we've experienced in the past, and we'll experience it again in the future. But even right now, if that's not something that you're struggling with, if it's not something that you're dealing with, right now you know people who are dealing with it. And, um, and, and maybe a little bit of what we say today can help you as you talk and process through that with them. The first thing that I need you to understand is when you get into that feeling where you're not feeling, when you get into that time of numbness where, 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 where you're struggling with depression, the first thing that you need to understand is that that is not like abnormal. In fact, millions upon millions of Americans every year deal with this, this feeling of numbness, this lack of feelings and depression and so forth. And what's really kind of crazy is when we actually look at the Bible, 
There are people in the Bible who I like to call the superheroes of the Bible, like amazing people who have done these amazing things that have this amazing relationship with God. The crazy thing is, is even when we read Scripture, some of these big names in Scripture have, have dealt with that feeling of numbness and of loneliness and of depression. Let's take a look at a few of the examples this morning. The first is um, David. Now, David's like the greatest king in all of Israel, uh, but not only is, is David the greatest king in all of Israel, but David, as a kid, defeated this giant named Goliath. He understands God and the presence of God in his life, but yet he still feels and, and, and deals with this feeling of, of emptiness. Look at Psalm 143, verses 1 to 4. Lord, hear my prayer. Listen to my cry for mercy. In your faithfulness and righteousness, come to my relief. Do not bring your servant into judgment, for no one living is righteous before you. The enemy, David says, he, he, he pursues me. He crushes me to the ground and he makes me dwell in the darkness like those who have been dead for a long time. So my spirit grows faint within me, and my heart within me is dismayed. When you look at those words of what David says, that, that's someone who's going through depression. That's someone who, who's just who, who, who's struggling with numbness and, and really even wants to die. This is David who, who's experienced so much in his life, and he, he's saying he's, he's feeling like he's in the darkness of the dead. Moses has a similar experience, at least one that is recorded for us in scriptures. Take a look with me at Numbers chapter 11, verses, uh, uh, Numbers chapter 11, verses 10 to 15. So Moses heard that the people of every family, uh, they were wailing at the entrance to their tents. And the Lord had become exceedingly angry, and Moses was troubled. And so Moses asked the Lord, why have you brought this trouble on your servant? What have I done to displease you that you put the burden of all these people on me? Did I conceive all these people? Did I give birth to them? Why do you tell me to carry them in my arms as a nurse carries an infant to the land that you promised on oath to their ancestors? Where can I get meat for all of these people? They keep wailing to me, give me meat to eat. I cannot carry all these people by myself. The burdens are just too heavy for me. Look at this question that Moses asked God. Is this how you're going? Woo, that caught my attention. Security! Maybe God didn't like this question from Moses. Is this how you're going to treat me? Please go ahead and kill me. Moses is saying, God, is this, is this how you're going to treat me? Just go ahead and kill me, if I found favor in your eyes at least. And do not let me face my own ruin. In other words, you know what, God, why, why, I didn't give birth to these people. I'm having to deal with them. They're complaining with, to, to me all the time. Why don't you just go ahead and kill me? Because if not, they're so angry with me, they're going to tear me apart anyways. This is Moses. So Moses, like, let, let's put this in perspective. You know, he's delivering the plagues of God over Egypt, right? He's the one that's standing before the, the, the sea with, with the Egyptians closing in, and, and he raises his staff, and the sea spread. And this is Moses saying, God, just let me die. 
Elijah says something similar. Elijah's the greatest prophet in Israel's history. He has this amazing mountaintop experience. The fire of God's raining down from heaven. Um, God's victorious. All the false prophets of the land are put to death. But after Elijah comes down off of that mountaintop experience, he's in the valley, and still the king and the queen are still in charge. They're reigning over the land, and they're trying to kill him. And look at what Elijah says in 1 Kings 19, 3 to 5. So Elijah was afraid and he ran for his life. And now when he came to Beersheba in Judah, he left his servant there while he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness. And when he came to a broom bush, he sat down under that bush and he prayed that he might die. I've had enough, Lord, he said, take my life. I am no better than my ancestors. And then he lay down under that bush and he fell asleep. So what I need you to understand is like, if, if these people who've had these incredible encounters with God in their life, if, they're, if, they, if they feel times of numbness, if they feel times of depression and emptiness, that they're calling out to God because they want to die, you know what? You can expect that you will have times in your life, and we've had them, where, where, where like life has been sucked out of us, and, and we just assume, you know what, God, I'd rather not wake up in the morning. What are the things that lead us to that? point in our lives that we've all experienced. I guess there's a lot of reasons that can kind of uh, suck the life right out of us, and I just want to go through a few of them this morning. Uh, the first maybe is this burnout. Now, we think about uh, burnout in terms of work. Um, it is, but burnout can be more than work. It can be family, right? When, when you're like, you, you, maybe you're caring for a disabled child and it, it's just sucking all of your energy and all of your time, or you're looking after parents who, who their health is declining and you're giving and you're giving and you're giving. It, it, it can lead to like a numbness and an emptiness. Um, even when you volunteer, like volunteering at a church or another organization, you can volunteer so much that you've, you've just got nothing left. When you're giving, 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 and you have nothing left, that's the problem. That's what's going on with Moses, right? Moses, is, is he's got a million people that he's leading through the wilderness, and he's given to the people, he's given to the people, and they're just complaining, and they want more, and it's just sucking the life out of them, and he just wants to die. A loss of a relationship is, is a big one. You know, you know, if you've ever lost a relationship, and we all have, it, it's so destabilizing, right? Because we put so much emotional energy in relationships. Now, that could be a loss of a, of a spouse. Um, that could be a loss of a, of a, a boyfriend, girlfriend. Um, it could be a loss of a best friend that moved away. But when we lose a relationship, think about the time and the energy, the conversations that all go into that relationship. And when that relationship's gone, like suddenly there's, there's a void there, and there's an emptiness there, and it can ultimately leave us feeling numb, lost, and empty. And that kind of leads to the next one. You have loss of a relationship, but the relationships, the people are still there, but then we have a different kind of loss of relationship, and that's when we have the death of a loved one. And think about how many people you know that, 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 that after losing a loved one, their lives kind of spiral out of control. They go into a depression that they never recover from. Once again, you, you know, you, you just, you have that closeness. And when that person's gone, like, like there's just, there's a void there and there's an emptiness. And at least if a relationship's end where like a person's moved away or, or um, a relationship's broke up, that person's still there. You can still have conversations or whatever. But when that person's gone and they're fully gone, it's, 
it's tough. You know, in the scripture, David, when, when his uh, youngest child was born, um, his youngest child was dying, and David couldn't even get off the ground as he, as he mourned and weeped for that child. Then later in David's life, one of his elder sons, who actually tried to take the, the kingdom away from him, his name was Absalom. Absalom um, ended up being killed by David's general, and when David found out Absalom was dead, David's just weeping for him on the floor. He's in a state of depression. When, when, when those relationships are taken from us, it leaves a huge void. Isolation is another one that can lead us to feel empty inside. You know what? That's a big one in, in, in today's world, right? With, with all the, the, the social distancing, with you know um, everything being curtailed the way that it was, uh, there's people that still haven't really emerged from their house, and they're, they're just grieving that interaction because God's uh, called us to be, be in relationship with one another. You know, I had my eyes open to this one um, for sure. It, it doesn't take much for me to kind of fill up my bucket in terms of like uh, you know uh, re, you know relationships and so forth with people, but when when things kind of went into lockdown in March, when, um, um, when like churches were closed and, and people were all like just hunkered down, all of a sudden I kind of found like myself like missing having conversation. I kind of like, I go to the grocery store and like, I'd look forward to someone was grabbing a bag of lettuce next to me and it's like, hello, right? Like some kind of creep, right? And I would, ne- I'd never talked to someone at the grocery store before. I remember driving home around the same time and there's a guy in the neighborhood for every time I've ever seen him walk, all I do is just smile and keep on driving. And I remember on this one specific day, I actually stopped and rolled down my window and talked to him. If you know me, I won't do that, right? But, but that's where just like isolation just ultimately leads to the, the, this, this sadness, this loneliness, ultimately this depression. Another one that can suck the life out of us, it's a big one, is a lack of purpose, now, we all need purpose in life, and when we're born, we, 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 like, we have the idea that we'll do something with our lives, and, and eventually, at some point in our lives, like, we, we get past those, the, those points that we, we were finding purpose. For some of you, you find purpose in being a parent, and you can really struggle with purpose when, when the kids like, go off to college and move out, and literally, it will leave people like feeling numb and, and, and sad and depressed. Um, we can find purpose in our job and, and suddenly like we're getting closer to retirement. There's, there's more road in the rear view mirror than what there is out the front windshield. In, in other words, you know, we're, uh, we're getting to the point that we're like, well, what is our purpose? And when you begin to struggle with your purpose, then, then that will suck the life out of you and all of a sudden you can feel numb and, um, and, and depressed. I think another big one is this feeling of failure. You know what? We live in a world in which we're not allowed to fail. And when we fail, it's so much more public than what it was before because people have social media and all this different stuff, people talk and so forth. And so there's, there can be a failure of a variety of different ways. You can be a failure as a spouse. You can be a failure as a parent. You can be a failure at your job. Um, you know, there, there, there's a million different ways that we can experience failure in our life. But when we experience failure and when that failure becomes public, that's going to bring a whole bunch of emotion that we're not going to want to deal with. And the way that we, we, we somewhat try to process through that is just kind of shutting it down. And, and when you go through failure, that can ultimately lead, uh, lead to like just the sense of numbness and emptiness. And then one that maybe you wouldn't expect uh, to be up here, but, but I, I, th- I think it's a significant one. I think it kind of goes to purpose a little bit, but, but what I would call boredom. And we can actually see this in our pets. Like if you've got a dog 
in, in the dog, like there's nothing for the dog to do. It's just laying around the house all day. You can literally see depression in their eyes. And, and, and I think it's the same thing can be for us in life. When, when we feel like we're going on that hamster wheel and there's no variety and there's no purpose and there's no significance, boredom can ultimately suck the life and suck the energy out of us and leave us feeling quite empty. So we've all experienced this in the past. You are going to experience it in the future. The question is, is what can we do about it? Well, as we deal with our feelings, the way that we deal with this feeling is we've got to be able to fill the void because so many of these things just leave this hole in our heart, this hole in our, our lives. And, and here's the challenge. We're going to put things in there to fill the void because we don't like that void being there. So as we put things in there to fill the void, if you put the wrong thing in there, it's going to actually make it worse. Um, what kind of came to my mind is um, um, many years ago, our first house we bought ended up having foundation problems. And in Texas, foundation problems are, are quite common. And so um, as part of trying to figure out what the problem is and everything, as the house moved, what happened is a, a pipe broke under the house, so there was a plumbing leak. And so they ended up having to go through the kitchen floor, knock out the towel, um, um, chisel up or, or drill up uh, the, the foundation foundation, dig a hole, and, and fix the, the leak underneath the house. Now, what was interesting is when it was time to fill that hole, to fill that void, I kind of thought they would put the dirt that they pulled out of it or just put some other soil in it. But I see him coming through my house with all this sand. And I said, why are you putting sand there? And the guy explained, well, soil absorbs moisture, expands it, contracts. It's not as stable as sand. And so if we put soil back in here, it could uh, cause some more shifting and moving and lead to more problems. And that it's much better to put sand in there. Well, the same thing's true with our lives. You see, we have these voids in our lives. What are you putting in there? Uh, because if you're putting the wrong thing in there, what you're going to ultimately do is maybe make the situation worse and certainly not make it better. So we got to pay attention to what we're filling the voids of our lives with. And so let's kind of start by talking about what we don't want to fill the voids of our lives with. Uh, probably the big one in our culture today is drugs and alcohol. You know, when, when something's missing... Maybe something's happened to us in our past and we just have unresolved pain and hurt or whatever. We're, we're, people will turn to drugs and they'll turn to alcohol because what they do is they give us a, a temporary good feeling, um, but it ultimately doesn't change things. You know, you have a bad day at work and what do you do? You want to go home, just have a couple glasses of wine or, or a couple beers, or maybe you got some prescription mess and maybe you got some illegal mess. I don't know, but we just, we want to escape from it. But even though we escape from it, it's not going to make it any better. In fact, it's only going to make it worse because the next morning when you wake up, not only do you have the headache, but you might have the shame of the fact that you drank too much and made a fool out of yourself and all this other stuff. So we're filling the void with something that in the end is only going to make the void worse. Close to that is, is partying, right? Oh, we love to get together with the friends, especially, hey, someone's having a bad time. What do we do? We gather the friends together we, so we can go out and party. And, you know, we're going to go out. We're just going to have a night, good night. We're going to blow off steam, go to the different bars, do this, that. There's going to be fist bumping, chest bumping, lots of drinking, all this different stuff. And, and, and for a few hours, you're going to feel great, right? Until, like, you realize that all that partying created some other problems. And now you got to deal with that as well and it doesn't work out so well, which even leads into the next one sometimes, sleeping around. 
you know, what, when, we're, when we're feeling empty inside, love has, or the illusion of love has this ability to kind of restabilize our lives and make us feel good. And so people will sometimes be quick to go from one person to the next because they just want to feel loved. And when they feel loved, then, then they feel better about themselves. It allows them to kind of forget the, 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 whatever it is that they're struggling with. But the problem is, is when those relationships don't work out and, and they very seldom will ever work out, then, then in the end, it's just causing us to feel worse and worse and worse. We're filling our void with something that in the end will even make it a greater void. Here's another kind of big one, uh, the, uh, the infamous midlife crisis. When, 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 when we're struggling with the fact that our lives aren't turning out the way that we thought that they would, when, when, when we're dealing with this feeling of numbness, we need something to spice it up. We need something that'll make us happy again. Uh, let's go buy a Corvette, right? Like that's gonna solve the problems. And I see this like in relationships all the time. People get into marriage problems and, and they think that by going buying clothes and going shopping and getting this, getting that, you know, we, were not, we never had the money to do this before. Well, we really don't now, but, but who cares? Let's just go and enjoy ourselves. And so they'll spend, 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 spend. They still have whatever the original problem was, but now you just have all that debt to go along with it. It will ultimately make the void worse than better. And then the last one, and this isn't like exhaustive. There's certainly others you could fill in here, but um, a lot of times we try to fill, fill the void with isolating. And what's interesting about that is I said isolating can cause a void. It can, but here, here, here's the deal. Like for some of us at least, and I know I'm this way, like when you're sick or when I'm sick, when I've got the flu, I don't want people around. When you're feeling miserable, the last thing you want to do is pretend like you're not and to have conversation and, and to have someone bothering you. So I like to be alone when I'm sick, right? Well, when we're sick emotionally, uh, the last thing you want to do, if you're, if you're feeling numb, you won't want to deal with some happy, jolly person. You don't want to have to try to mask your, your lack of feelings so that you can try to convince other people you're, you're feeling better than what you really are. So we tend to isolate ourselves from other people. And as we isolate ourselves from other people, it just makes that void all the worse. So if that's some things that we need to be careful not to, to fill our lives with, what are some healthy ways in which we, we can fill those voids so that when we're feeling numb, when we're feeling empty inside, we can start to fill ourselves back up? Well, the, the first is this, is, is journaling um, is really important. You know, we started off looking at that passage from, from David. What's David doing in the Psalms? He's, he's just journaling. He's, he's complaining to God about like feelings that he's experiencing. He's complaining to God about the people who would kill him and who would conquer him. He's calling out to God to kind of uh, uh, protect him, to restore him, to forgive him, whatever's going on. Here's the cool thing about journaling is journaling allows us to be able to see the progress we make because sometimes as you progress slowly, you think there, there has been none. But when you're able to look back to how you felt a week ago, two weeks ago, a month ago, we can, we can, we can see that wow, we've made an improvement. Also, you can see how God's working uh, you know, throughout that whole process. And what's really cool is, let's say you have a bout of depression now, and, and two years later, three years later, you have another. You know what you can do if you've journaled? You can go back and look and, and see how you were feeling three years ago and see that, you know what? You were feeling the same way then, and it was a slow process, but you got through it, and God was faithful. And if God was faithful in the past, he'll also be faithful in the present, and he'll be faithful in the future. So make use of, of journaling. Another big one is when you're feeling down is coming to God in prayer. You know, I don't think we understand the power of prayer enough that when we come to God in prayer, it's like we're talking to the God of the universe. And, and, and here, here's what 
here's what we struggle with with prayers. You know, sometimes God doesn't seem to answer the prayers that, the, the way that we would want him to. You know, we're praying to God for something and it's like, you know, he's not answering it anyway, so, so why even bother? Why even pray? Well, we still need to go through that process because even though that God might not be answering it in the way that we would want him to answer it, he is still answering it. He is still working through it and he is still giving us peace through those prayers that we offer. In fact, there's this really cool passage in the Bible where um, Paul is talking to God. He's talking about this thorn that's in his flesh. Now, what's cool about this is we don't know what the thorn is. The thorn could have been an illness. The thorn could have been a sin. Uh, we don't know what it is, but it was something that was making Paul feel really weak and vulnerable. And Paul says three times he begged, he pleaded to God to take this weakness from him, but, but God wouldn't and God didn't, but rather God's response to Paul was this, is that my grace is sufficient for you. In fact, my power is made perfect in, in your weakness. Now, suddenly what that does is it changes uh, Paul's perspective where he was dreading the weakness. Now he actually rejoices in the weakness because Paul says that he knows that that, that in his weakness, Christ's power rests on him so that and actually in his weakness, he becomes strong. And so when we come to the Lord in prayer, it might not always answer the way that we think, but don't let that keep you from coming to God in prayer saying, God, I feel empty. God, I feel numb. God, why, why is this happened in my life? Uh, you know, help me, oh God, or whatever it is that you come to him. Over time, you're gonna see he's gonna work through those prayers, even if they don't get answered the way that you had hoped that it would. The next uh, kind of big thing to do when you're feeling um, empty and uh, in, in numb and, and going into uh, depression is um, recite scripture. Now, um, I, here, here's, I'm not saying that you got to memorize the Bible, right? I'm not, I'm not saying like, you know, well, you, you just, you got to re recite a lot of it, but Every one of us in here needs to have a key phrase or two that's from God's word that will change our focus from our problems to, to who God is. And I'm going to give you a little insight into my mind here, right? I'm going to share with you two things that when, when things start getting a little, little um, uncomfortable, um, that, that I'll turn to God and I'll say, the first comes from Psalm 70, verse 1. And it's from the King James Version because it's, it's how I learned it. And so when like I'm becoming like anxious about things or I'm going to a dark place, I like to just recite those first few words in my head, make haste, oh God, to deliver me. In other words, hurry, God, please deliver me. Now, let me ask you, what else do you have? If you say that, what, what else needs to be said? Because listen, if I brought it upon myself, if I just did something incredibly stupid, make haste, oh God, to deliver me. Now, if I haven't done anything, but someone's like, like rushing me and I, you know, I, I, I'm in a bad situation, but I didn't do anything to, to get myself in that situation, same prayer works. Make, make haste, oh God, to deliver me. Um, make haste to help me. So it's just such a beautiful phrase to offer up to God, um, that, that asking God that, that, that he would help you in your time of need. The other thing that I like to say is actually from a song I learned as a, as a young child, and it's the phrase is, I'm trusting the Lord Jesus. So when I get myself into a bad situation, when I'm becoming unstable because of things that are going on around me, I, 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 will, I will just put two quick phrases in my head, make haste, O God, to deliver me, and I'm trusting the Lord Jesus. Because if I'm trusting Jesus, then I can trust that God's going to deliver me. And once again, I don't know how things are going to turn out, but I do know this, that I've changed my attention from the things that, the, the darkness that I'm being led into, the bad things that could happen, and now I'm focusing on who God is and trusting that God will hear and be faithful, and I know that he certainly will. Fourth thing that we need to do when um, we find ourselves 
kind of becoming numb and, 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 and depressed is um, what I would call the power of worthy thinking. Now, that's very similar to the power of positive thinking. We've all heard, you know what, if you, if you think positive, you can kind of bring that in and just change the way that you think and so forth. Well, whatever. Maybe there's some truth to that. But more than positive thinking, there's something called worthy thinking. And Jesus tells us, the Bible tells us that that's exactly what we need to focus on um, during times of trouble. Look at Philippians 4.8. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent and praiseworthy, think about such things. What are you thinking about when, 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 when we're going to a dark place, you can keep obsessing on the thing that's leading you to darkness. But I know this, that if when we think about that, that which is true, that which is right, that which is of God, that Satan will not exist where, where, where God's word is living and dwelling. So you got to change your thinking to positive, to things that are worthy, and, and, and that will start changing the way that you understand your situation. And then lastly, and then just some closing thoughts, and this is a big one. Um, we, we have to learn to hand it over to Jesus. You know, for each of those biblical characters, we're looking at David, Moses, Elijah, who are they? they're talking to God when they're feeling empty. And when you're feeling empty, you, you got to hand it over to Jesus. And you really have to believe in this Bible passage that I'm about to read to you. Because my question is, is do you believe this or don't you? Because Jesus says this, come to me, all of you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and I'm humble in heart. And you will find, your, you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. I love that phrase, come to me and you will find rest for your soul. Is there anything more that we want when we're feeling numb when we're feeling empty, when we're feeling depressed, we, we just want rest for our souls. It's what Elijah does, just, just end this. There's just, I just, I, I can't do this anymore. Moses, just, you know, I, I can't handle this burden. Just, just take my life, right? We, we just want rest for our souls. You know, in the Bible, there's um, a really cool story where Jesus is in the boat with his uh, disciples, and the storm comes up, uh, a ferocious storm, and the wind's uh, blowing, the rain's pouring down, the waves are starting to go over the boat, and everyone in the boat is in panic mode. Because they're in panic mode because Jesus is on the floor of the boat sleeping, and it looks like the storm of life is about to overwhelm them. And they call out to Jesus, Save us, we're going to die. Well, after they wake up Jesus, he stands up and he rebukes the wind. He rebukes the waves. The rain stops. Uh, you know, everything calms down. And he says to them, you have little faith. Now, they were amazed because Jesus had authority over the wind and the rain and the waves. Do you believe in, in, in the Jesus who says, you know what, I can give your soul rest? Because if you do, he not only has authority over the, the wind and the rain and the waves, he has authority over those things that suck the life out of us. He even has authority over emotions. And so sometimes we just pull away from him. We kind of you know, curl up and we just want to die. Uh, but, but you can almost hear him say, you have little faith. Why don't you just hand that over to me and, and let me calm that storm in your life? Because he can. And he will, but you have to believe it and you have to pray it up to him. 
Just a closing thought that I want to leave you with from um, 1 Peter 14 to 18. As obedient children, do not conform any longer to the evil desires that you had when you lived in ignorance. But just as he called you is holy, so be holy in all that you do. For it is written, be holy because I am holy. And since you call on a father who judges each person's work impartially, live out your time as foreigners here in reverent fear. For you know that it was not with perishable things such as silver and gold that you were redeemed from this empty way of life that was handed down to you from your ancestors. You see, God redeemed us from this empty way of life. And it wasn't with gold and silver. He redeemed us with, with, um, with his blood. And since you and I have been redeemed from this empty way of life, what we've got to be careful is not to just like be bringing that emptiness back into our lives. I guess I kind of think of it this way is, is like, you know, you can go walking like down the side of the road and there, there's just so much junk that you can find as you walk, right? Dogs that leave their business, you know, and then just like laying there in piles. You got masks nowadays, you know, filthy. Uh, you, you, there might be like syringes and, and plastic and just all kinds of nasty things. Now, as you go down, walking down the road, you, you can go pick up that junk and you can just sit there and carry it around with you. But if you've also gone walking, you know that sometimes you find money. Sometimes you might find like maybe even a piece of jewelry or, or um, some, you know, a tool or, you know, something cool like that. You know, when you go down the road, are you going to be picking up all that, that worthless junk or are you going to pick up the stuff of value? We're told in Scripture that we've been redeemed from that worthless way of life. As we go through life, stop bringing those things into our lives that, that will just drag you down and make you feel more worthless. Rather, turn to um, that which is good that which is right, that which is admirable, and that which is praiseworthy. And the peace of God, which passes all understanding, will guard your heart, it will guard your mind, and, and, and it will, listen, there's gonna be times in which we do feel empty. If David and Elijah and Moses have felt it, you and I are gonna feel it, and you're gonna feel it again, but God is faithful, and he will redeem you from that, even as he has in the past. Would you join me in a word of prayer? Merciful Almighty God, we just thank and praise you for this day that you have made, and we thank you for this word. And, and some of us in here, gracious God, we, we are struggling with um, feelings of, uh, of purpose. We're, we're feeling empty. Uh, we're feeling uh, just void of emotions. And for those who are gracious, God, I just pray that you surround them with your love, that you'd surround them with your peace that passes understanding, that you'd surround them with people who would love on them and care for them and, and show them uh, your love. Help us, gracious God, when, when we're at times like, like what we've talked about today. For those who are in that time right now, help us to not fill our lives with things that will make it worse. But as you're holy and you've called us to be holy and to live as holy, that we would truly live for you um, in, in, in that living to be able to find um, value and purpose in who you are rather than the things of this world. We pray this in Jesus' holy and precious name. Amen. 
Um, it's certainly uh, good seeing everyone uh, this, this morning. Um, you know, we talked about some heavy stuff, and uh, there might be some things that are just weighing you down today. Maybe you're struggling with some of this stuff in your heart and mind. Um, John's headed over there to the back on the back wall, um, and if anything's weighing heavily in your heart or mind this morning, he would be happy to uh, pray with you for you and over you. If there's some people that, that, that you know that are struggling with this stuff, if you're struggling with this, go, uh, go see him and, and have some prayer time with him. Uh, for everyone else, I look forward to seeing you uh, either next Wednesday or next Sunday. Have a wonderful day and a wonderful week. Thank you.